You know, if you have your, um, your bulletin in front of you, inside you'll find the connection card here. It's a yellow and, and brown card, and we have, it's an opportunity now to fill this out. And especially if you've been here, this is your first time, or maybe this is your second or third time. Uh, but we ask everyone to fill one out and to whatever amount you want and just leave it on your pew. But it has opportunity for you on the back to mark different things that we might be able to help you with or uh, connect with you in different ways. So just take time for that. As you're doing that, I have some announcements to make. Uh, the first one, I just want to remind you about the, uh, the Empower, which is our Southern California gathering that's going to be here at this church. Pastor Corey's the director. This is for all the Southern California churches in the conference that we belong to. And um, I'm trying to think how many churches that is. I believe it comes out to somewhere around six or seven churches. And uh, they will be sending people here to, to uh, participate in this Empower. And we're going to have around 12 different workshops. And you'll see the workshops listed there because we have Japanese-speaking congregation that meets here before this service. We have some workshops in Japanese. So if you want to test your language skills, you can sit in on that. We'll also have our English workshops there down below, and you can attend those workshops, and they'll be given more than once, so you can choose and go to the, some of these different workshops. I just want to let you know, for those who are fairly new to the church, that this church belongs to a conference that was actually started by four uh, Japanese immigrants uh, many years ago. And uh, these four Japanese-speaking immigrants came to the United States, and they were Christian. You know, you, can't, you don't think of too many, you know, Japan has probably 1% or less than 1% Christian over there. But these four men were Christian, and uh, they, uh, somehow they met with the, uh, the Friends Church. And if you're familiar with Friends, that's a Quaker church. And the Whittier Quaker Church helped establish them to get uh, church groups going. And the Whittier Church was instrumental. Whittier Quaker Church was instrumental in the conference that we are a part of. But uh, because of that, realize that most of the churches uh, in this conference are primarily Japanese or Asian. And uh, we, this church, West Covina, we decided that we felt God opened the door for us to be a community church. So we really wanted to reach out to our community, which we still, are in the, are still do on a regular basis, trying to just open our doors wide for anyone in, in the community who'd like to uh, be a part of this gathering here as we worship and serve the Lord. So I bring this to your attention because when we have this in power, you're going to see a lot of Asian faces coming in here. And, uh, and we're hoping that you're, you're uh, willing to help and, and, and to be honest, is one of our other conference churches that is in the process right now of becoming a, a community church. And we're hoping that more and more of our churches in this conference will become community churches. And because uh, and, we feel uh, in a lot of ways that that's the way church is supposed to be. It's for the world. And so um, just, to, just to let you know about that. So that's the Empower. Uh, I also just want to bring to your attention that uh, we have the 5K this week. This Saturday is our West, is our West Covina um, 5K pumpkin run. We do this in behalf of the West Covina Senior Center. The city of West Covina is really participating as, with us in a big way this year. They're putting on a health fair. There'll be over 20 organizations represented there. Like I mentioned last week, you want your hair cut? Hey, Citrus is sending their they're, they're a cosmo, uh, cosmetology group over, and they're going to be cutting hair for free. 
and uh, we'll have the, you know, Kaiser there and Honda there and all these different city businesses and organizations. And so we, yesterday, I had a small army of great helpers yesterday, and we put together 400 goodie bags for, uh, we're planning for roughly 400 runners. And so, um, hey, come on out. This Saturday, we're going to start the race right at 8 o'clock, and they run through a course through the, the, the city of, uh, down there, uh, close to Cortez and Citrus. And um, you just come out and join us. You want to help? Help. You want to just uh, be there and just ex- be a part of the experience? Come on out and just see how the Lord's working. Okay? So that's this Saturday. We're gonna, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a neat, big community uh, ministry that we have. Uh, another thing I want to just announce, we have the Young Marrieds today. If you look on the back of your bulletin today at 2 p.m., if you have any questions, uh, please talk to Pastor Corey. Uh, it's going to be at Pastor Corey and Chelsea's house today for the Young Marriage Fellowship. And, uh, you know, a single adult dinner, um, I, I, I have been away on sabbatical for so long, I didn't even know if anyone would be able to come today. So if you're part of the single adult group or would like to be a part of it, just come up to me and just let me know uh, after service that you'd be able to come uh, because, or you want to come. Because if no one can make it today because I didn't give early announcement, then I won't have it. But if you can make it, you know, come up and tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, I'll be there. I'll say, okay, great. Um, baptism. Uh, we, we've, we're in our second baptism class, and so uh, I just want to let you know that uh, if you are interested in baptism, which we're going to have here in this tank on October 23rd, uh, you've you got to be there at least next Sunday. Be there at least next Sunday, and, and uh, we can still fit you in. So baptism and new membership classes, they're at uh, 920, 920 in the church library, okay? All right, that's a lot of stuff. Let's get rolling, let's pray. Father, we uh, come before you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for Sunday mornings, a day that we set aside for you, and it's a day, Father, that, uh, that we just pray that will be honor and glory to you. Lord, we pray that every day uh, for you, but this is the day that we set aside together. So bless our time. We pray you'll honor our opening of your word and that your Holy Spirit will speak to us and teach us your lesson that you have for us today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was joking around with Robbie, who is it, Robbie and Norm, because one went to Arizona, the other went to Arizona State, you know. And, uh, you know, UCLA and SC kind of had their way with them yesterday. So, but, um, that's only one day. You know, uh, recently I, someone asked me, and uh, this is kind of a, think about it, these questions don't come up very often. Someone asked me, what do you think is the biggest problem in the world today? And I, I, I didn't give it much thought, but kind of automatically off the top of my head, I said, I said, violent acts of injustice. That's a weird thing to kind of say, but when you think about it, when we think of violent acts of injustice in this world, our world is changed because of it. Think of how the world was prior to 9-11. And think of how it's been since 9-11. 
Think of uh, uh, everything from ISIS and the threat of another 9-11. We think of bombings. We think of shootings. We think of going to our local mall or sitting in a movie theater. We think of kids in elementary schools that are just going to 7-Eleven for a Slurpee. You know, you just got that different awareness or let's say just uneasiness that you maybe didn't have before 9-11. So when we talk, think about how our world has been kind of reshaped, one of those things that has reshaped our world is violent acts of injustice. And when we think of people in our country and in Europe and other countries, a lot of times we just kind of accept it as that's how our world is. So my question today to us as Christians, you know, we're just, let's, let's think about this. What in the world are we doing in regards to this whole topic of something that has really changed our society? What are we doing? What, what should we be doing about violent acts of injustice? Now tell me, what if I told you that, that there is something you can do? What if I told you there is something you can regularly do, and I'm not talking about buying a gun, I'm not talking about dealing with the Supreme Court, I'm not talking about an eye for an eye. I'm talking about something that is so weird and out, out, out there in left field, you may be thinking, huh? I'm talking about prayer. See, prayer, again, reminds us that Christianity is pretty weird. I mentioned that before, that Christianity is, is, is a weird thing in our world. It's kind of weird to me when I think about how I used to think before I became a Christian. And even though many of us as Christians see the importance of prayer in our lives, that most of us will admit that, yeah, prayer is important for a Christian's spiritual life. How many of us are really praying in this area against all this violence and, and, and junk that's going on around us? All these shootings that have to relate to a person's skin color. All these different things that, that are just happening, that are popping up in the news right and left all the time. See, when we read the Psalms, there's a section that almost every other Psalm written by David is what we call an imprecatory Psalm. An imprecatory Psalm is a Psalm, it's a song, it's a prayer. And what it is, it's a crying out, it's a plea to God saying, God, do something. It's a plea to God saying, and basically, Excuse my language. They're saying, kick the butt of these guys. You know, knock their teeth out. Wipe them off the face of the earth. That's what David is, is crying out to God against this injustice that he's surrounded by. He's basically saying, God, come to my rescue. Look at Psalm 10. I'm going to read Psalm 10, a bunch of verses. So follow along with me. It'll be up there on the screen. Psalm 10, verses 8 through 15. This is from David. He lies in wait near the villages. From ambush, he murders the innocent, watching in secret for his victims. He lies in wait like a lion in cover. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. 
He says to himself, God has forgotten. He covers his face and never sees. Arise, Lord. Lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself he won't call me to account? But you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evil man. Call him to account for his wickedness. That would not be found out. Look what he says in Psalm 3. Psalm 3, just a couple of verses there. Psalm 3, 5 through 7. Again, this is David. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw and break the teeth of the wicked. That's kind of a neat picture. See, when we read words like that, it communicates in a very clear way that God is saying to us, hey, I am there. I understand injustice. And, and, and God does want justice in the world. And prayer is one way in which we, we move God in this area, and God hears our cry. God wants us to pray for justice. When we look at Psalm 109, 3 through 4, it says, with words of hatred, they surround me. They attack without cause. In return for my friendship, they accuse me. But I am a man of prayer. There's a pastor in my community, and, I, and he talked about his mother. And his mother has a big map in their house. And then this map, I, I, I never saw the map, so I just imagine it's probably of, our, of her area or maybe even the county. But on this map, she has, has pushpins. And when she hears about a crime that's taken, a pl taken place, read about it on the internet, in the newspaper, whatever, she puts a certain color pushpin in there. And what that does, it reminds her or guides her prayers. She prays in two ways. She prays for justice against the injustice that was done. And she prays for comfort for the victims. Isn't that neat? So she has this map, and that help guides her in doing things like that. See, the Christian way, God's way, the, the, the weird way is not to take justice into our own hands, but to pray. See, we know God is a God of love, but we've got to always remind ourselves that God is also a God of justice. For his word clearly tells us that the penalty of sin is death. See, no human being can escape that truism. Jesus paid that penalty for us. There is no free lunch. That's why without Jesus, there is no salvation. 
Without Jesus, there is no relationship with that holy God. Without Jesus, there's no heaven. Without Jesus, there's no peace with God. See, God holds to that penalty because he is a just God. So when we pray for justice, know our God is on the same page. It's part of his spiritual DNA. And that's why Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, God desires to have justice rule in his kingdom, earth and heaven. And when we think about God working in this world, working in our life, working around us, see, God intercedes on earth according to what? Two major things. Number one, his will. In other words, his wise and incredible, you know, all-knowing will, but also our prayers. When you put God's will with our prayers and they line up, oh man, that's powerful. And I just told you that God wants justice. You know, there's a girl in, in my community years ago, and this girl was really a, um, a really, really a, a neat girl, really uh, a, just a sweet, vivacious girl. And uh, she was uh, really a young woman. She was in her 20s. And uh, one day she was missing, and they and they realized she was kidnapped. She was abducted, and I knew her the father. Father was Christian, man of prayer, prayed. He's a, just a, a, a Christian, a guy who really lived his faith. Well, days passed, even weeks passed, and, and they couldn't find his daughter, until it was reported that they found her body. In a creek in Mexico. No clues dead end. Later on, a man went into the police station and confessed to the crime, and he was from the community where the family lives. He confessed. Now, when you hear a story like this, you know, we think, well, God, you didn't save that girl. But I think that the prayers of that father helped bring about justice for that crime. See, and the hard thing is when we think about justice for a crime like that, it strikes really close to home, and it's hard to pray. You know, and, and, and what makes Christianity even weirder is when we really think about this and know that God's heart not only cries out for justice, but also cries out for, for repentance for the person who actually does the crime. We know that. What did Jesus say while on the cross? Lord, forgive them. Forgive them. I mean, he's got nails driven through his hand. He's saying, forgive them. See, that's the heart of God, that even the perpetrators, even the evil ones, even the cruelest, ugly ones, God wants heaven for them. Isn't that weird? That's crazy weird. 
And so he's asking us, what? In the crazy, hard-to-live Beatitudes, what? To love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. And pray for those who persecute you, that you may be what? Children of your Father in heaven. In other words, you've got to buy into this. You've got to buy into the, that God wants, wants, wants heaven and all that good stuff, even for the evil guys. That's weird. But if you want to walk the path that God has for us as his children, if you want to walk the path of the Christian, then we need to pray for justice, and we need to pray for those who do injustice. And in our logical minds, that's crazy. But think about this. What if you turned on the evening news one night? Whatever channel you like to watch. You turn on the evening news, and there they have film of ISIS, maybe in Syria, somewhere in the Middle East, and they're passing out food and medicine. Wouldn't that blow your mind? Now think about this. If God could change my heart, if God can change your heart, isn't it possible God can change their heart? See, that's what this is all about. It's about changed lives. It's about that new birth. It's about that new creation. It's about changing this world. That's at the heart of prayer. It's crazy. Psalm 55, 17. Evening, morning, and afternoon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my prayers. See, if God can change my heart and your heart, then we've got to be willing to pray for those unchanged hearts, no matter what they've done. Look at Jeremiah 29, 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. See, has that time come for you? Are, you? are you ready to do something like that? Are you willing to pray for this world, the good guys and the bad guys? No. You know, all my, all my married life, I've uh, kind of counted on my wife to be the person of prayer for my family. Uh, I pray. I do. I'm a pastor. I pray. <laughs> but I don't pray like my wife. Man, she, she prays. And as long as I've known her, she, I count on her to pray for, for me, to pray for you, to pray for our kids, to pray for this, this, this fallen world. I count on her to do that. I read a quote one time, and I kind of felt guilty about what I just shared with you. <laughs> and I, I, I read this quote by Coach John Wooden of UCLA. You guys know John Wooden, passed away, but he was an incredible basketball coach, I don't know, seven national championships. He wrote this, I am not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. Not what I am going to be, but thankful that I am not what I used to be. 
See, the whole idea of your Christian life is that you are changing, you are improving, you are getting better. You may be facing the worst days in your life right now, but know that you're going to get out of that, and God wants you to keep putting one foot in front of the other in your life, in your spiritual life, in your life here on earth. You know, I love David. David was a man who prayed. And David, when you read David's prayers in the Psalms, he would, did not pray lengthy prayers. David's prayers were not elegant, eloquent prayers. David's prayers weren't even spiritual prayers. David's prayers were just, just plain, oh, honest, gut-wrenching, strip-naked prayers. You know, I heard a story about a bunch of college guys, and um, they, they, they made this, um, in their dorm they, they made kind of like a man cave. You guys know what a man cave is? There's, it, it's, a, it's a dorm room or an area where, where, where it had all this stuff that's or, just kind of for guys, for guys to hang out and just have a really, you know, it's a great environment, you know. And so these, these dorm guys loved this man cave that created. So they would spend all their, their free time in the man cave. And so they kind of got closer. And as time goes on, they got felt more comfortable with one another. And they started in the evening, started to share some of the most deep, the deepest things that happened in their life and the things they're facing. Things they, as guys, they would never have really shared that if it weren't for this, this, this progressive environment that was affecting them. But one day, they found under the sofa in their man cave a baby monitor. In other words, someone had been listening to them all this time. And they searched to find out who in the world put that there, and they never found out who it was. But why do I share this story? Because that's what God wants from us. He wants for us to get really gut-level personal with him. None of this rehearsing, none of these prayers that you've said all your life that you're taught when you're a little kid. Just go before the Lord and just spill your innards to him. That's what prayer is really about. And in this world that we live in, if you can't think of something to pray for, man, you are just not thinking. God wants honest, real prayers. You know, when we think of a man like David, here's this guy with so many obvious flaws in his life. But yet, when we look at the Bible, it's, it's so clear that David was a really beloved man of God. And this gives us a clue to why. In 1 Kings, you read about how the prophet Samuel talked about, about Solomon, David's son. And it says, His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father. See, David had an honest, real relationship with God, flaws and all. And he would go before the Lord. He was a man of prayer. So when you think of our world of injustice, the next time you turn on the TV or you open up that internet and you start glancing at stuff and you see about this and that and that, all this crazy stuff that's going on and people dying. Man, in your prayers, pray. Pray for justice to be done. Pray that God will intercede and start to work in our country and this world. Don't think that it's just you're talking to the ceiling. 
You're not. That's the heart of God. Pray in that way. And that's God's way. Let's pray out now. Father, as we, um, we think of all the injustice going on in the world, all the stuff that just kind of makes our heart cry out, makes us angry at times, things that we just say, what in the world is going on here? Lord, we need to bring this to you. Father, you want us to bring this to you. So help us to bring it to you. Help us, remind us, Father, when we put our head down, when we close our eyes, remind us that all the other things we pray about, family, finances, you know, whatever, help us to pray also that you will work in this, this world that is so full of violent injustice and that we will see your hand working. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.